the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. You are listening to the Advanced Colorado Rundown, Colorado's conservative podcast, providing insight and thought-provoking discussions on Colorado's most critical policy issues. Let's join Michael Fields for today's edition. All right, we are back with another edition of the Advanced Colorado Rundown. I'm Michael Fields. Uh, Today we're joined by Jason Golden, who is the uh, Education Fellow for Common Sense Institute. Uh, They just recently put out a study that caught my eye on transportation uh, in Colorado for education. And so I wanted to get him on this podcast to to tell us uh, what they learned, what we need to know. So thanks for joining us, Jason. Uh, Thank you for having me. Appreciate being here. So I'm curious to start out with what got you and and CSI interested in this topic to start with, uh, and you know, in order to put uh, a study to this degree out, what what got you interested in this topic? Yeah, I'll be candid with you. Um, it's it's been no secret that transportation is a um, a big hindrance in education, and specifically. It's uh, tends to be a limiting factor in families being able to exercise choice. And I, I'm just a true believer in the full spectrum of choice, but you have to uh, have accessible choice. And so transportation has been on my radar. Then you have the nationwide uh, struggle with uh, actually recruiting and retaining bus drivers. So that just um, that just uh, intensified the transportation issue. And then I looked at our uh, neighbors in uh, Arizona and saw the innovative things that they were doing uh, with school transportation down there. And those things, those three things combined uh, really inspired me to kind of take a look at the state and status of things here in Colorado. So I guess what is that status in, in Colorado? Where are we at? Um, you know, I know there's been some changes after reading the study, some changes over the years, a lot less funding going towards transportation. But what what did the study find and, and what were some of the key takeaways? Uh, here's some high-level um, findings uh, that, um, you know, while the world has changed a great deal in the last 50 years, uh, education, not so much, and education, transportation, even less. Um, we're still uh, kind of uh, hooked on the nostalgia of the big yellow school bus, uh, but there's there's question as to whether or not that's the most efficient and effective way of getting uh, kids to and from school. And if that is, then are we doing it, you know, as best we can? And the reality is, um, those are big open questions that I think lawmakers need to take a very close look at. The problem is, uh, while the state takes an interest in education transportation, funding it to the tune of $62 million from the state coffers each year, um, it it strangely doesn't take enough of an interest in collecting information, the kind of information that would allow for proper analysis and evaluation and frankly, uh, you know, fueling innovation. We, there, there's a big data deficiency and uh, that was a big 
headline of the report. I guess my one of the questions that I was thinking of, and we can get into more of that innovation side, and I want to talk more about that. But I guess just sheer funding going down, you mentioned $62 million, but you know, there's less state funding coming than ever. And I guess, why do you think that is given the fact that we just had an influx of COVID money, um, you know, that came into education, education dollars per pupil funding is up over the last few years. Why do you think there's been less of a uh, push to to put money into, into transportation, specifically in education? Um, everything's going to loop back to my data deficiency point. We don't know enough to have a clear answer, and here's why. Um, you notice that uh, student funding is going up, but that's mm-hmm. part of um, the school funding formula, mm-hmm. which calculates a per-pupil revenue amount, money that is theoretically attached to each student. Transportation falls outside of that. Transportation is a annual categorical funding, uh, so something of a separate pot of money uh, from which the state reimburses school districts for what they spend. So it's not calculated in the same way as student learning. It's something separate. And honestly, um, what school what school districts get is something on the range of twenty. 25% of their actual expenditure. In 2002, school districts actually spent $290 million, uh, of which $62 million was reimbursed. So that money is coming from that per-pupil spending. They have to make up the difference between what the state is is giving them, is my my take on that. And I guess different exactly. districts will do different things, right? We I live in Douglas yep. County. My kids take the, the big yellow school bus, uh, and we have to pay, you know, a couple dollars uh, a day in order to to get them there. So I guess to make up that funding, they're either taking it out of per pupil or charging a fee, uh, which, you know, is going to impact different people differently. But I guess what you, what is your view on the role of the state government, you know, providing these funds or directing them versus districts uh, taking that on and, you know, doing things how how what fits best for their district? I guess, do you have a, a thought on kind of the state versus district role in this? Sure, but it's it's a little uh, nuanced and I'm not totally settled because on the one hand, districts aren't legally required to provide transportation at all. That was an interesting finding. They choose to. They clearly recognize the importance, but they have the jurisdiction to define those measures however they want. They set what is a defined walk zone. So any student within this distance of a school can walk rather than be provided school district transportation. So at the district level, they get to define that. At the district level, they set routes. At the district level, they count miles. At the district level, they count ridership. Mm -hmm. Okay, the state reimburses based on these factors, but they don't collect the information. They could collect the bare minimum, uh, plug it into a very simple formula and kick back um, to the districts on a proportional basis. So in, a, in other words, that state allocation of 62 million um, adjusted for inflation each year, um, it, it just goes back in the proportionate way. So the largest school districts actually have a disproportionate impact. And so um, at the state level, again, I think it's worth stepping back and evaluating is this the best way to fund it? Is it through categorical funding? Should it be embedded in the student funding formula? Um, should should we fund based on route miles projected on one single day at the beginning of the school year? Or should we fund it, say, based on actual route miles at the end of the year? Or 
better yet, actual ridership, because we're not collecting that at the state level. It's hard to argue where that responsibility should best lie if we don't have the information to do that evaluation. Yeah, so it's a transparency issue, it seems like, and you feel like the state isn't gathering this data, even though the district might be doing that. And so um, I guess, you know, thinking of of where the burden falls, if the district's already gathering a lot of this information, it's more on uh, the state to come up with, okay, what information do we need to better, uh, you know, spend the money or add or subtract or whatever you need to do. Right. Um, but we just don't have that information or that transparency uh, at all is what you're saying. And, and yes, and to be clear, I am not suggesting any overly onerous uh, bureaucracy yeah. or paperwork uh, onto the districts. No, in fact, I think there are some smart ways that the state can better digitize uh, record keeping and data collection to make it easier and to lessen the burden on districts. So I just want to make sure I am advocating that the state collect more and better data. I am also advocating that they do that in an efficient and effective way that doesn't add undue burden onto the districts. Yeah, I think that that makes a lot of sense. I, I want to get at this point, and you brought it up early on, of school choice. I'm a big advocate of school choice. You know, was on the board of a charter school, taught at a charter school here in Colorado. One of the disadvantages that we had was we didn't have the resources to have any kind of transportation to our school, right? And so this was something where, um, you know, at the time we didn't even have equalized funding in the state or, or anything. And so we were basically relying on parents to drive their kids every day, drop them off. And we still had full enrollment, you know, even though it was inconvenient for them to do it. Uh, I guess, what do you see as the impact of, you know, the fact that certain uh, charter schools can't even pay for any kind of bus to, you know, hit the places where uh, kids are coming from the most, et cetera. I guess in your terms of thoughts of how this discussion about transportation can impact the school choice discussion too. Sure. Uh, You use the term equalized funding, which in theory We have, but it's still not equalized resources. Um, So uh, I do think charter schools are at a disadvantage uh, because it is at the school district's total discretion as to whether or not they assist with transportation um, for for charter schools. And I just think that um, it it would be a better service to families and students if there was better coordination, but not only that, even across district lines, there's legalities that prevent even charter schools from providing transportation. The ones that do buy buses, they can't go into neighboring districts. And that's a problem because you're, you're actually preventing families from making an accessible choice. So it's, it's riddled with, with challenges. And that's the point of better data collection so that we can know who, what, when, why, and where. So you also brought up uh, this idea of innovation and Arizona and other states are trying different things and, you know, that the future of transportation to school isn't necessarily the the big yellow bus. It could be other things. I guess uh, you guys brought up the the idea of an innovation fund uh, for, for you know, different areas, districts, et cetera, uh, to, to try different things. What do some of those ideas look like or what are what is being tried in other places that's different than just that normal route by the the, the yellow bus? Sure. I'll I'll gladly give you some examples, but I just think that hitting the core principle is 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 um, my first priority. The core principle here, though, is to trust and rely on uh, the the folks closest to the issue um, to help be innovators, to help solve these problems and to kind of open up the discussion to community, to families, 
Uh, and yes, district transportation chiefs, charter schools, but the folks closest to the impact of this issue should all have a voice. And that's what an innovation fund could do. It, it would establish a pool of funds and allow communities at the very local level to engage, to problem solve, uh, to come up with innovative ideas and to apply for funding. Uh, and if we fund these pilot projects or test cases and they're successful, mm -hmm. then we get to see what scales, what has broader application. I think that would be uh, excellent ROI on the investment. Uh, but some, some ideas are everything from um, organized and structured carpooling, um, using smaller vehicle sizes, uh, smaller vans, smaller buses, running more efficient uh, routes. Um, there, there's innovations like instead of a, um, a large route that a bus drives, but a series of smaller routes and a hub and spoke model, uh, there's door-to-door -door ride share mm -hmm. services designed for education. For example, uh, Hop Skip Drive is a tested, vetted, highly successful, safe and reliable option for students. Um, so there's lots of various ideas that should be put to the test. And frankly, not, not, not to be left out is just um, providing resources to families mm. who can commit to providing their own transportation or small group transportation. I don't think that should be out of the question, particularly in rural communities where it's super inefficient uh, and and costly in time uh, to run uh, these rural bus routes. Yeah, I, I totally agree that, uh, you know, giving this uh, this over to, to localities and, and even as close as families to decide how best to get their children uh, to school is an important thing. You also mentioned the, the fact that we have a driver shortage, and this is timely for me because I just got the email, you know, an hour ago saying, hey, uh, your kids can't come home on the bus today because we have a driver shortage and that bus will not be running. And I guess thinking of, of that issue and, you know, there's different sectors, uh, you know, nursing and healthcare and even teacher shortages and everything, but but driver shortages seems to be like a big one. And you guys point out uh, that there are some federal regulations that go along with this, et cetera. And I'm curious, uh, reading that and thinking about, you know, these commercial driver's license and how that might make sense for trucks that are going across state lines or something. I guess I'm less clear on, you know, the, the driver who drives uh, two miles from the school to pick uh, my kids up and go back, how that has to do with the federal government at all. So I don't know if you wanted to comment on some of these federal regulations that could also be impacting driver shortages. Listen, I'm going to come down pretty strong on that point, Michael. Um, yes, the federal government has an interest in, 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 in safety, uh, particularly when it comes to young kids. I get it understood. However, as does the state, um, right? Like the state cares about that. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Um, but here's the deal. Uh, the federal regulations that apply these uh, rules that are designed for long haul over the road drivers um, to local school bus drivers, it's, it's nonsensical. It's not the same type of work at all. Right. And it's a, it's a misapplication of maybe the best the best of intentions, mm -hmm. but it's a misapplication of regulation. We need, um, frankly, uh, a, a better fitting, perhaps a state-based um, certification, bus driver certification, 
but making bus drivers adhere to those uh, federal uh, commercial driver's license rules is uh, is crippling and already an already um, critical uh, shortage of drivers. And not to mention uh, the marijuana factor here in Colorado as well. Uh, I'd be I'd, I'd be less than honest if I said that wasn't an issue mm-hmm. because it is. Having talked to several transportation chiefs at the district level, uh, it's an issue. Let me say one more thing. I uh, don't want to appear overly critical of the district transportation chiefs. They are doing actually really, really impressive work. The sheer logistics of moving that many kids to and from school safely every day is a phenomenal feat. I just wish that policymakers could step back enough to realize in an antiquated system, it warrants, it deserves uh, innovation. And we can't do that unless we're collecting the right kinds of information. How do you think, you know, is, do you think there's going to be traction on this issue this session? There's a lot of things going on, a lot of talk about different issues. Do you feel like uh, there could be, you know, at least on the transparency side of collecting this data, figuring out where we are, if, you know, additional resources or they need to be allocated differently, et cetera. What do you think, you know, is the likelihood that this gets addressed anytime soon? Uh, from what I understand, um, it's already causing um, uh, some some impact. So there's been a bill introduced um, to establish a trans a school transportation task force and truly study the issue. And I understand it's a task force. It's not it's not the whole cake, but it's a step in the right direction. And for that, um, I applaud uh, the sponsoring legislators. So they are going to take it up and try to establish uh, through legislation a task force to look into the issue. Well, that's uh, that's good news. I think, you know, anytime that, that groups can put information out, educate people more, uh, like Co- the Common Sense Institute does, it's a good thing. I know you're going to be uh, delving into many more issues as the education fellow uh, at CSI. And I would encourage people to to go on to, to your all's website and look up this study, look up all the other material that has to do with funding of education, etc. Uh, I think it's commonsenseinstituteco.org is where you can find that. And I appreciate, Jason, you coming on, giving us an overview of this. We'd love to have you back on in the future as your next study comes out. But I appreciate, you know, your focus on something that is as critical as getting kids to and from school, uh, how basic that is, but how complicated it can be. So thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me. I had a great time. All right, that's it for this episode of the Advanced Colorado Rundown. We'll be back next week with another. You've been listening to the Advanced Colorado Rundown, brought to you by Advanced Colorado, the conservative thought leader, driving dialogue and solutions to Colorado's most critical policy issues. Find them at advancecolorado.org. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.